1: podcast dedicated to montrealowitz football presented by sport buff i am your host tim capper along with cliffy d hey we didn't get tired of each other driving up and back up and back from ottawa on our impromptu trip to ottawa did we
0: we sure did not and i i didn't think we would to be honest with you <laughs> it was it was definitely a last minute decision for us to go to ottawa and see the game but uh, i'm so glad we did it it was definitely an excellent time
1: that's right i mean in and, you know, it's perfect, almost perfect timing from when we're taping, you know, when we are actually taping this, you know, hey, 55 years ago, Cliff to the day, Star Trek started. Wait a minute. Nope. Well, hold on, hold on. Wrong. It's not Star Trek day. Hold on. It actually is. But no, that's not what we're here to talk about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> almost 55 years to the day, Montreal played. I'm really, this is a real stretch at home versus Edmonton. And lost eight to three. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a barn burner. <laughs> Woo. Where is that game played? Is it played at Percival Molson? It was played at Percival Molson Stadium. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, uh, met up with some some great people. Uh, it was nice to sit with the, the fans. we got to give a couple of shout-outs, obviously, too. But um, I think that considering, you know, it's been a rough month for Alouettes Nation and when it comes to uh, current and former owners of the Alouettes. Um, but we, we have to at least talk about uh, Mr. Ba- Robert Wettenhall because, you know, hearing that he had passed uh, just this past Friday and it only came out yesterday in the media – uh, we would not be able to talk about, in my opinion, I don't know how you feel about this, Cliff, but we would not be able to talk about the going to see the Alouettes play in Ottawa if it wasn't for this gentleman and the legacy that he created in Montreal and in Quebec when it comes to pro football.
0: Oh, 1000%. I'll even go so far as to say if you're a fan of Canadian football in general and Canadians playing football— you wouldn't see a lot of what you currently see nowadays if it wasn't for Bob Wettenhall and his contributions, not just to the city of Montreal, but also to the Canadian Football League as well. I mean, you think about where Quebec football has grown over the past twenty-five years, how far it's come along. You look at guys like uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif going to the NFL, mm-hmm. winning a Super Bowl. Like this, also he he started this like watching Alouettes football after they the Alouettes came back. He ends up going to play football. He ends up making it big in the NFL, becoming a doctor. Uh, Winning a Super Bowl is like such a tremendous accomplishment. And there's so many talented Quebec-born football players that, again, within the past 25 years, are all directly related to this Alouettes team coming back and becoming the successful powerhouse that they had become. And you can pretty much thank Robert Wettenhall for that because it was because of him owning the Alouettes, because of – sparing no expense whatsoever when it came to promoting the team, developing the team, developing Quebec football the way it has been. You can thank Mr. Wettenhall for all of, those, all of that. Like You can pretty much tie him directly to all that, as well as the growth of the Canadian Football League over the past 20 years is directly attributed to his contributions, along with uh, David Brayley of the BC Lions, mm-hmm. who's also no longer with us. Yeah. Those two essentially spearheaded the, the 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 Board of Governors when it, came, it comes to the Canadian Football League and their contributions to this sport, to this league, are immeasurable, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, w- when you talk about, like, all the all the exciting things that you see nowadays when it comes to football in the Canadian Football League and beyond, a lot of it is due to the resurgence of the Montreal Alouettes led by one Mr. Robert Wettenhall.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we were hearing all the all the interviews that were done yesterday in uh, in local english media and, and that was you know all the all the uh, all the accolades and, and and well wishes that came out on social media from you know both on the english and french side um you know it it it's hard not to look back at what might have not happened you know because for, for, you know i learned something new yesterday you know i i did not know that Mr. Wetnall had been asked to buy the team originally in 96. I did not know that. So, you know, we were lucky enough, you know, for him to balk in 96 for the for football in Montreal to basically almost basically disappear after being back for one year because of the I want to be. I, I understand how everybody was talking about this on, on you know, on social and, and on the radio yesterday, but. To me, it's the ineptitude of, of Michael Galefand and, and Jim Spiros. I know he has a—Jim Spiros is loved, uh, but it just looks like these two gentlemen were not were not able to do what was necessary to keep the Alouettes going as they were in 96. And we almost lost them because, the, you know, the league took over the team again, and luckily, Cliff, that Bob Whitnall was decided to have a change of heart and to buy the Alouettes, and again, Alouettes football and Quebec football have greatly, um, were greatly improved just by that alone. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, I mean, as as I said before, like you can directly tie a lot of the 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 growth of football in this province to Robert Wettenhall owning the Montreal Alouettes. Mm-hmm. And he did it selflessly. like he he just he just wrote the checks. I mean, he never meddled in anything. He never tried to have his input in anything. He just, you know he he trusted his football people, guys like Jim pop, uh, the coaches, uh, when it was his time, Anthony Calvio, like he trusted all these individuals to do what they do best. Mm-hmm. And he footed the bill and did it with a smile on his face. And he was th- thusly rewarded. I mean, look, the Allowitz. Have participated in his tenure, participated in eight Great Cups and won three of them. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Yeah. In a twenty year span. Like that is absolutely remarkable to be able to say that. And it it really does speak to like this is why we we have to pay tribute to him. This is why we we have to recognize everything that he has done for Alouette's Nation, for the for the city of Montreal, for the province of Quebec, for the Canadian Football League as a whole. Everything all of the success tied into the Alouettes is a direct result of Robert Wettenhall cutting those checks and saying, okay, you do what you got to do. I'll gladly pay for it. I just want to see the results.
1: Exactly. And, you know, because of what he did, you know, his, his peers, um, you know, in, in voted him into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 2015. I think he was at, as a as a builder, right? I think that's is what – yes correct okay as a builder so i mean it you don't you don't vote somebody into the hall of fame if they do not have a a career or made a huge impact on the CFL period
0: absolutely and again it's undeniable the impact that his ownership tenure had with Montreal Alouettes i mean putting him in the hall of fame is an absolute no-brainer as a mm-hmm. builder cuz yes he did help not build just not only build the Alouettes, but also help build this Canadian football league. He was uh, a big part of the board of governors, uh, as I said, along with David Braley and working with the other teams and that, like they, these are the guys that helped shape the Canadian football league into what it is. I mean, without, without their generosity, without their support and dare I say, without their, their, their checkbooks. Yeah. We'd be talking about, uh, well, we wouldn't be talking about the CFL quite frankly. We'd be, it would be a a distant memory. Like, uh, all the other failed leagues that have come and gone over the past, uh, 40, 50 years.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Mr. Wetnall was, is the second longest tenured owner. Sorry. The, the, the longest tenured owner in Iowa's pro football history. Um, only he, he, I said he's top of the list with only, uh, uh, Joe, excuse me, uh, with only, uh, uh, Sam Berger, I think. No, sorry, Ted Workman being second, and then Sam Berger being third. So it, it shows for longevity, and that's that's what this team needed. You know, we would not be able to. We would not be able to see what was done for you know when it came to expansion at personal Molson. Um, it's you know it, you could only imagine what could have happened if he hadn't been our if he hadn't been our owner. Uh, you know, that coupled with uh, him wanting to make sure that he hired the coaches and, uh, you know, keeping, you know, letting uh, Jim Pop do what he did. Um, you know, the genius that he is. Um, yeah, it's again, it, football would not be we would not be we wouldn't be talking about the game, dude. We, you and I would not be doing this podcast. I, I, I can almost I can almost guarantee it. we would not be doing this podcast if uh, if Bob went I had not I had not bought the team. But um no. Unlike from what we heard, you know, it seemed like, you know, Herzbergowski had a good relationship. Um, What about, what about you, Cliff? I mean, I had just one interaction with him uh, where I got to meet him. Um, But I want to, I want to find out about, about yours. I think yours, yours is, I think it probably a little bit more, do I say lengthy, quote unquote, lengthy than mine mine is.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, yes, I, I've, been blessed to have met Mr. Whettenhalla on a number of occasions, and always had time for a "quote unquote" fan, which I thought was always cool. Like back when I considered myself a fan of this product, uh, you know, it was just really cool to be able to say that I got to speak with the owner of the Montreal Alouettes, yeah. and. You know, we'd sit and we'd talk, like, not for very long. But, you know, like he again, I don't think he'd know me from a hole in the wall. But, you know, he kind of recognized me a little every every time I'd see him. You know, like, how are you doing? And how's the family kind of thing like that. And just, you know, we'd talk about the game, good or bad. And it was always a pleasant, pleasant experience. Like I said, he took the time to really listen to – like, he was really interested in what this punk kid had to say. And I I always took it to heart. Like, wow, that's, that's really amazing that he – you know at least he seemed to care enough about you know what did i think and i remember there was a couple times too like like real stink fest games like just awful games and you know i'd see him afterwards you know hello how are you and he's like listen don't give up man this this team this team is special you know it's special you know we're going to get this right we're going to get this right and Damn it! I believed it. Like, that was just, you know, hey, if Mr. Wettenhall said it, it's got to be true. Like, they're going to get themselves right. And and I agreed with him. I said, yeah, well, it's going to happen. And sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But again, like, the, his enthusiasm, his love for this team, his passion for the sport is unrivaled, as far as I'm concerned. I, I even remember, too, uh, talk about just the kindness and generosity from him is... Uh, during the uh, was after the uh, the first Grey Cup win, I, I went and I got a uh, a picture taken uh, with my Grey Cup T-shirt with uh, a mall Santa, and I sent it over to him as a uh, kind of a, a thank you for helping build this Alouettes team. And he wrote me back a, a very nice letter saying thank you so much for your support. We definitely appreciate fans like you. This is a, you know absolutely tremendous. And during the Eastern Final of 2010. I knew I was going to Edmonton for the game, and I was you know, looking forward to it. I happened to bump into him at the uh, – like pretty much in the bowels of Olympic Stadium. Right. And I reminded him, like, hey, you know, you know last year I sent you a, a Christmas card with uh, with a Grey Cup photo with uh, Santa Claus, and uh, I, I want to be able to do that again for you. And he looked at me and said, I want you to do that for me again. We, I'm going to make sure that you will be able to do that again. Sure enough, the Alouettes won the Grey Cup again. I do the same thing, go to the exact same mall with my <laughs> 2010 championship t-shirt. Got a photo with Santa Claus again. Sent it to Mr. Wettenhall. I said, a promise is a promise. Here you go. A few weeks later, I get another mail, a piece of mail, in, a letter in the mail from the office of Robert Wettenhall. Like, oh my gosh. Opens up, <laughs> it's like. You sure are a man of your word. And just, like, I don't remember the exact details. I have to dig up the letter to find it all. But he, you know, same same idea. It was just, a, thank you again for the support. We definitely appreciate you being a part of this organization. And you know, we, you know, it, it's fans like you that help keep us going, kind of thing. Like it was, it was just so nice. It was just a really kind thing. Like for the owner of a football team to do that is is tremendous. And as I said, the the few times I was able to see Mr. Wettenhall after games was. Always nice. You know, just even just a, a brief interaction, just to be able to say hello to him and all that and thank him for everything he's done for this organization. I don't think we can even begin to truly thank him, it, even in passing, that, uh, you know, of, of everything that he's done for this organization is, is like I said, it's immeasurable. It really is. I mean, you said it, we would not be here doing this podcast I wouldn't be writing this blog. We wouldn't have Great Cup m- m- paraphernalia mm-hmm. from 2009, 2010, or to even 2002 if it wasn't for Robert Wettenhall and his family buying the Alouettes and running it through good times and bad. And it, it's, it really does speak to the character of this man and his generosity to be able to keep this team going. And e- even towards the end, like when things were not that great, and the Wettenhall family was looking to get out of the football game i understood and i, I you know i will never say a, a bad word about mr wettenhall for sure i know i've been a little critical about his son andrew running the team the way that it's been done but i also understand like looking back now like i realize like he had some massive shoes to fill mm-hmm. and perhaps realize that you know maybe i can't quite do it the way my dad did and you know maybe it was just better off to Sell the team back to the Canadian Football League and let them find owners who can do the the Al-West justice the same way that his father did. So, you know it's it's tough to know. Like you, you knew, as Mister Wettenhall's health wasn't great towards the end. He was looking like a man in his late seventies, early eighties, and his health was perhaps not the greatest and you know he was still there though he was still at every game that he was a part of and it was still good to see him no matter what and now knowing that he's at peace and you know I I hope I hope he understands and realizes just how much of an impact he had on everyone in Alabets nation I mean it was not easy to Go through the bad times. You know, you know, it's easy to go through the good times and you know still sign those checks. But he saw this team through thick and thin. You can truly say that he saw this team through the good times and the bad times. And for everything he's done for this organization, for this city, for the league, for the Canadian Football League, I mean, I I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for for us.
1: Yes, I, I agree. And as I said, my my history, and I. I've always been the type of guy, Cliff, and you know this from, from knowing me for as long as you have it. Um I, I will I usually will let people just go amongst and you know, I, I'm I don't fanboy them. I don't I, I'm just the you know, the type of person who will let them go about their way, just say, Hey, thanks for everything and usually that's it, you know. But um you know, I, I kinda wish I did what you had done. You know, it's, I it's I just guess I never thought of it but you know, in, in my way. Uh, the only time that I got to meet him, um was at one of the uh, season ticket holder events. It was when I think it was when they were doing the the Alouettes Alliance, if I remember correctly. Um, oh. And they had it downtown, um, and they held the event downtown. And it was a Q and A, you know, Q and A Q&A session like they had. And and that was the one time that I was able to to shake his hand, and say hello to him. Um, I remember specifically the, the gentleman, you know, he had a cold that day. I remember that very vividly um but you know it was still nice to to tell him and to to thank him you know that being a a fan as long as i have that it was i was you know i was grateful for him to for buying the team so um i said not as you know not as flashy as your interaction (laughs) (laughs) but still nonetheless um you know, being able to say that I met Bob Wettenhall and, uh, uh, you know, again, we're grateful. We're, we're grateful for him, for, for him purchasing the team when he did had a change of heart in 97. Um, I'm curious, you know, it, so many stories that I'm sure that could be told that, you know, hearing that the other day, I think, uh, Herb Jarkowski was mentioning and I think it was mentioned a couple of times too on TSN 690, I'm curious to know a little bit more about that. You know, I wish I could know more about that story. Why did he back away in '96, but yet decided to say yes in '97? It's, it's interesting. And, it really makes you think.
0: Well, and, and let's not forget too. He was also the owner of the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. So, like he he knew about you know what it took to own a football team, a yeah. professional football team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure he must have had some trepidation, you know, especially to like coming up to Canada of all places to to be a part of professional football. Maybe that was one of the reasons why maybe he initially balked at the idea, but then I guess once he saw what this team was all about, maybe he had a chance to finally come and see the city and see what you know see what Alouette's you know fandom was all about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: maybe that's what it was, maybe that's what it was to for so him to decide. To go ahead and do it,
1: I was about to say '96 would not have been the year to do it. <laughs> well, but <maybe laughs> not of been the year to do it. You and I <laughs> both know this. In '96, with the game still being played at the Big O, where we averaged whatever we did, well, it was I think '97 was even worse, but still was a farce. You know, uh, you uh, know, they, yeah. he, he had the idea or was convinced to move back. You know, thank God for you too. You know, all this is in the lore and the legacy. Bob Wetll, you know it is. if it wasn't for you two, also being a part of this, we wouldn't be back at Percival Molson. They wouldn't have moved back to Molson in ninety seven uh, back in ninety seven mm-hmm. who knows
0: <laughs> oh, I absolutely. I mean, you, you think about all the what if scenarios I mean, and again, there's not one scenario where i can I can think of where this team would still be alive in twenty twenty one without everything that had taken place, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, Bob and hall, deciding to own the team, you who, you know, YouTube pulling rank as far as wanting to play at Olympic stadium and forcing the Alouettes to have their playoff game at Percival Molson stadium at pretty much at the last minute. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. Just the, the story of this franchise is, it, it, it's a fantastic one. And knowing that he was at the helm of it for so long is, is remarkable. I mean,
1: well, it's Man. just it's just a matter of looking back. We wouldn't, we, you know, all the things that we may not have done as as CFL and Alouette fans. You know, uh, I wouldn't have t- I I I wouldn't have taken part in the in the uh, in the uh, the TSN uh, commercial shoot mm-hmm. back in tw- back in twenty ten. I wouldn't have there been a part of that.
0: There you go. And it's funny, Tim. Like I looked at a lot of the uh, the tributes that were posted uh, online from. All sorts of people like uh whether it's uh, media personalities uh, former players uh even uh, former employees of the Montreal Alouettes i I have not seen one negative thing about Mr. Wettenhall it was always positive it was always you know, how warm how personable he was how he was willing to do you know he wanted you to succeed and if there was any way that he could help you do so he'd be willing to do it I mean it's it, it's remarkable what uh the love and the outpouring of emotion for for, for this man is, is tremendous to see and not at all surprising. Like I said, my interactions with him have always been 100%. And like I said, uh, it, it, if he was a jerk to somebody, that person must be dead, too, because we don't know about it. <laughs> I, I'm only seeing positive. I, yeah. I mean, did he? ever have a bad day? Maybe, but you'd never know about it. I mean, at least not as far as as I said. Anyone who's even just mildly associated with the Montreal Alouettes, just nothing but positive, nothing but warm, kind, wonderful messages about what this man meant to the city and to this team.
1: Yeah, and, and they just—I I, will—I agree. I read quite a few of them, and it wasn't just Alouette players either. I mean, it was—it was—it was people that knew him, was able to work with him, it was. You know, uh, you know Rick Moffat as an example. So I want us a lot of players. I mean, it, it's it was you know it's you hope that when you own a team that you carry a legacy, a positive legacy. You know, mm-hmm. people uh, people can can what will be as an example say what will be of Bob Kraft's legacy will be a positive negative you know football aside, football winning aside right you know same thing with jerry jones what will be the legacy mm-hmm. so yeah it's yeah I, I i am i'm happy that he was an alouette's owner i'm glad i was able to meet him and it, it's it's really weird to say but gary stern kind of does have he so far from what we've seen you know it seems to be okay but he has a. Uh, he has some big shoes to fill as as the new Alouettes owner. So,
0: without question, and only time's going to tell if he'll be that kind of owner for the Aloettes, like Mister Wettenhall was. Uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty like the bar was set pretty high, mm-hmm. and as I said, we we'll we'll, we'll we'll see as the years go by how Gary Stern owns and operates his football franchise. Uh, I mean he kind of walked into a, a tough situation he as soon as he, he and his uh, father-in-law took ownership of the team yeah, kind of fell into a pandemic which no fault of their own just sort of happened but they still paid the bills they still made sure that uh, you know people were taken care of uh, now they've got a chance to see their the, the, the team in action so i mean it's you know, now now this, this is our op- this is old gary stern's opportunity now to be that leadership voice to be the owner that this team desperately needs to succeed. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to truly expect him to be exactly like Mr. Wentenhall was. And I don't think it'd be a fair comparison. I think he just has to work, you know, just maybe follow the example of, you know, trust in the people that you've hired, make sure that you hired the right people, let them do their job and just keep cutting the checks and the results will come. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do feel that uh, with this Alouettes team that we currently have right now, I think the pieces are definitely in place. It's just a matter of just letting them do their thing. And yeah. I, th- I think for the most part, uh, Gary Stern seems to be willing to do that. So, if he continues in that that vein, it'll be just like with Mister Wettenhall. And look how look how well things were. Like how look look the good times that this Alouettes franchise knew under Mister Wettenhall's reign. I mean. You saw the results, folks. I mean, there's, you know, like I said, eight Grey Cup appearances, three victories. I and mean, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. So if, if Gary Stern can help build this team back up to that, to get back to multiple Grey Cup appearances and even wins, yeah, then he'll be cementing himself a great legacy of his own as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you quite a bit. From the bottom of our hearts and from, from Alouettes Nation, uh, thank you, Mr. Wetnall, for everything you did uh, for Montreal, for the province, and for this team. May you rest in peace. We speak your name. Hey, this is Rick Moffat, former Voice of the Montreal Alouettes, and you're listening to The Flight Deck. Just to remind everybody, Cliff, that uh, we are on social media. You can find us many, many places, including some new ones by the way, which we're going we're gonna to mention in this show. We, I don't think we mentioned it last week, but uh, or did we? Um, but basically, if you miss any of our shows, you can go to the full archive over at ca. That's www.alowitzflightdeck.ca. Uh, you can Check us out over on Twitter. That's at Alouette's FL Deck. You can find Cliff at, at @CliffEd, And you can find me at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And there's also a multitude of other places you can find us too. Right, Cliff?
0: Absolutely. I, I'd say pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. Just search the keywords Alouette's Flight Deck. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. Make sure you look for the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast by searching Alouette's Flight Deck on YouTube. And also, let's not forget too that the Elowitz Flight Deck is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, looks like all the shows are pretty much back in full swing. Uh, there's some great stuff out there. Make sure you check them out. Uh, you can find every pretty much every show on Twitter at CF Pod Network, and uh, we're, we're so grateful to be a member of that association. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, there's so much good. There's so many good podcasts out there, and we're so so, so thankful to be a part of that uh, that network. That great network.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, as uh, I mentioned before, I, I, again, I can't remember if we did. Uh, there's a, a new social media, uh, I guess, audio network similar to um, similar to the other, you know, the other video ones that had had, you know, 15 second clips and then from there. But these are 15 second audio clips. Uh, you can see them on our social media, uh, but it is at I Lily. And that you can find them at, I think it's I, Lily, that's I-L-I-L-L-I dot C-O. Um, Mm -hmm. Quite a few of the Canadian Football League voices are on this platform. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, hey, the the cool thing about it is it's Canadian. Canadian made out of Halifax. Um, What better way? It's, you know, hey. You get us in long form here. There you can get us in short 15-second 15, 15 clips. So you don't have to listen to us talk and talk and talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And listen, folks, uh, you can ch- check it out. I mean, it's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's going to become the next part, uh, the next step, so to speak, in the evolution of social media. So be sure you check them out. Uh, they've got you know so much great content, especially for CFL folks. I mean, so many great CFL voices, as mm-hmm. Tim was saying. Are, are, are a part of this and now we're a part of that as well so make sure you, you check it out uh you know get on there get, get become a part of the conversation as well and that's beautiful the thing about it is you don't have to be a media member to join yeah. you just sign up for an account and you too can you know share your thoughts and be heard by all sorts of people yeah that are associated with the canadian football league and other topics as well i mean it's a it's a great platform be sure to check it out uh you know, tell them the Fight flight deck sent you
1: yeah uh, also we as uh, we mentioned last week we did have a uh, another giveaway thanks to our our gracious partner over at sport buff um, again if you can go over to sportbuffshop.com and see what they have as far as CFL merch and everything. Uh Chris and Gary are really really nice guys and uh it's good to support uh support Canadian. That's that's uh that's the most important part. Um but for the cap that we gave away, we already mentioned out and announced it on social media, but at least want to let let um, let you know that uh, Kyle Zenklusen, I, Kyle, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name properly because I'm that type of person. Too if my last name is not pronounced properly, anyways, congratulations, Kyle, on winning the cap. Uh, make sure you send us a DM on social media on, on Twitter specifically. And, uh, with your, with your deets and, uh, we'll make sure that we get the, the cap out to you as soon as possible. So congratulations once again.
0: Yeah. And stay tuned folks, because there's always giveaways giveaways to be had. So we're, you know we're we're very thankful to be partnered with Sport Buff. Uh, they've got great stuff, great gear, and if we can share even just a little bit of that with you folks, we're all for that. So make sure you tune in, check it out, show these guys the love, and keep on listening to the Elevate Flight Deck. Yeah,
1: um, we were talking about uh, about iLily. You use it quite a bit, and but it was totally a a, a spur of the moment thing for us to head over to Ottawa. Um, you know, when you finish work. And uh, we, we made. I couldn't believe it. I mean, before finding parking, we made, we, we made very damn good time to Ottawa. I'll tell you that much. I was, I was like, oh yeah, we're going anyways. But I mean, it's still, we made it and, and we just, I think we just missed one series each, if I'm not mistaken. Of the first- I, I,
0: be- I believe, so. I, I mean, we, I mean, we technically got there for kickoff, but not
1: quite. Right, but, uh- right. Right. And, but first and foremost, by the way, we got to give a shout out to Rayshon, to Rayshon Simonize, because if it wasn't for him uh, being able to to get tickets, which we by the way, we were automatic. We had already started, we were going to be going to be buying them just for full transparency. But uh, we had an opportunity and uh, uh, we want to thank thank Rayshon for for the tickets. And uh, hey, we were able to sit with all the Alouettes fans
0: exactly the friends and family it's funny section ff at tv place uh, i jokingly call it you know friends and family because that's what ff is yeah, but no. that's that is typically where the out the, your opposing teams the the red blacks opponents that's where their friends and family are going to sit so i think how, what better place would be than ff
1: yeah exactly um no failing grade there even though if, if, if it is a double f um <laughs> um wow what can we say about this game it was a game i think that the alowitz really did need to win if you remember people remember last week i was i was really um it really reminded me of the canada day game versus uh the renegades uh so many years ago that it was a game that were they going to go into this game thinking oh yeah this is going to be a, a pushover uh and then they get beat that really was not the case this this alowitz team Came out on fire. I'm sure a little ticked off based on what happened with the the game versus Hamilton. And man, 80 total points in this game. The Alouettes score 50 points for the first time. Think I think it was since in the regular season since 2010. Wow. It, this was just a complete uh, A game by the Alouettes through and through.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they were pissed off. I think they were extremely pissed off with the absolutely banal effort that they gave against the Hamilton Tiger Cats at home. And I think they went into this game with a chip on their shoulder and sometimes you got to do that. And they, the outlets have done this before they they play an absolute, the terrible game at home. They go on the road to Ottawa, just in a foul mood, just, you know, they hear the the haters, they hear all the negative commentary And it just builds up inside you. And then sometimes the only way to feel good is to make someone else feel bad. And that's what they did at last past Friday against Ottawa. It was just make them feel bad because they just walked in there and punched them in the face over and over and over again. You want to talk about someone who was inspired? Our quarterback, Vernon Adams, Mm -hmm. was a man on fire. And, And he looked Amazing. I mean, he did not look timid. He did not look like he was doubting. It. He was connecting with everybody. Everything was just falling into place for Va. He played an absolutely phenomenal game. I mean, it was like surgical the way he cut up the Red Blacks. It, it, it was absolutely amazing just the way he connected with the receivers. He put Williams stand back to use. Yes, very good use. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean he he opened up every facet of the offensive game. I mean it it, it was night and day compared to what we saw versus Hamilton. I, I mean, like you talk about a bounce back game for Big Play VA. This was it. I mean, Vernon Adams put the team on his back like he normally does, and he just walked in there, and I, I could, I could tell he wanted to shut everyone's mouth. Because again, as soon as he started to falter, you hear the critics, you, you, you hear the haters, everybody's starting to doubt him. He wasn't having any of that. You could see it in his eyes. You can see it in the way he played, the way he commanded the pocket. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't having any of this nonsense. He, he was coming, he had he was there on a mission, and I'd say mission accomplished. Like yeah. he he is back. Vernon Adams that we know, the one that we saw out in Edmonton who was in complete control, the one we saw in the first half yeah. essentially of that Calgary game. Yep. Yeah. That VA is back. Yeah. And I'm all for it. Like it couldn't have come at a better time, yeah. quite frankly.
1: I agree. As I mentioned, so the final score, 50-51-29. Uh, the, the Alouettes uh, score 50 points for the 12th time in their history uh, in the regular season, 14th overall, including the, the the postseason. That postseason game was in 2014 versus BC, where they shellacked the Lions 50-17. to to fifty to 17. Um, And uh, an interesting note, I know we have a bye week this week, Cliff. Uh, but an interesting note, just for those who are curious to know about this type of stuff, uh, the Alouettes are eight, four, and one in their next game after scoring fifty plus points during the same season so could could, could easily bode well. I mean, and I thought, you know what by, by the way, uh, how many times have you seen a game in Ottawa?
0: Oh gosh. Several. And I'm not just talking about like Red Blacks games. I mean, I've also seen the Alouettes play the Renegades and even one time seen them play the Rough Riders.
1: Oh, wow. I'm showing showing my age there. No kidding. Well, even I haven't seen the Rough Riders. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm older than you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think every time I go see the – I think – my last time to go see a game, the Alouettes, and it's funny, we're just so close, to go see the Owls play in Ottawa was, not I think it was in 2016. That's how long... And the funny thing was, it was a shellacking like this was. So, I mean, it, the atmosphere was great. I mean, all, only announced 15,000 people. Um, I, I know we at least have to talk about this before we talk about the, you know, the stats, which I'm sure everybody knows already, but... Um. Uh, it, it makes a huge difference when the stadium itself has seats next to each other. You know, real seats compared to the you know, compared to the benches that are over at Percival Molson. Mm-hmm. Um you know, besides the people running back you know, walking back and forth and us having to get up and you and I at one point I was like, okay, just, just move to the side and let them out, but yeah. <laughs> um but I don't know, it just seemed to be different. I, I didn't feel I didn't feel like I did at the home opener. I mean, yes, we still wore our masks. People were a lot more people were wearing masks, as far as I could see at this game. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you even had an, an usher going up and down the stairs yeah. with a, a little sign reminding people to to stay masked up.
1: Even even on the even on the uh, what was it? It was Bane from the from the Batman movies. <laughs> you should remember to please wear your masks. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I felt a lot better. I mean, I'm. I'm again. We'll talk about it again next week. I'm sure, leading into the very first game at Personal Molson with the with with the passport, um, with the vaccine passport. But, um, great. great it was a great atmosphere. Win or lose. I mean, it's. Uh, and I mentioned this to you too. And please, anybody who's been to both Personal Molson and to TD Place, are the light? I swear, the lights are different. I remember you and I coming out from under the uh, from uh, from under the overhang, and it was like oh, it was like it goes from not dark, but it went from not dark to really really bright.
0: Yeah, it's like they sprung for the uh, the CFL bulbs. <laughs> no pun intended.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, overall, I mean, great atmosphere. We got C Cam. Uh, I mentioned him last week. He's the guy who. Who was the 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 manager of the uh, of the boutique here in Montreal? He's now doing the same thing for Ottawa. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was just, I, I great atmosphere, I, I, and I'm really glad that I guess I I guess I convinced you to go to the game. I'm one of who asked you some. I'm, I'm glad we <laughs> went. So,
0: no, it, it definitely made for a, a great trip for sure. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the the atmosphere at TD Place is always good. Uh, one thing I did find, though, and I was pleasantly surprised about, is you don't you don't seem to have that desperate need to make noise. Like people well, uh, again, I, I'm going to preface this by saying that Ottawa, unfortunately, is notorious for still making noise on offense when they shouldn't be. So it's not like they have to encourage people to make noise because they seem to do it on their own. They make noise when the defense is on, but they also make noise when the offense is on too. And I just this, this is clearly a CFL thing. It has to be, <laughs> it, 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 I, 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 I just don't get it. I, I really, I, I could live to be a hundred. I, I won't, I will never understand why fans do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 don't know, dude, <laughs> I, I really, I really don't know, but it was fun. That's all I can say. It was really nice being back in Ottawa for a game and, um, yeah. It's, uh, But, I mean, and it was obviously fun because the Alawitz won. Uh, that always helps. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, just to get over the stats, I mean, the Alouettes finally scored, even to Herb Zerkowski's pleasure, the Alouettes finally scored in the third quarter um, this year, first time all year that they had scored in the third. Um, but, you know, complete... Uh, don't let the... Do not let the, the 29 points fool you that the Alouettes gave up because... You know, garbage garbage time points along with some again some some questionable calls by the Alouettes defense at that point. Um, still, you know, it, it was still in an, an utter, an utter shellacking. So, I mean, uh, yeah. Va himself went eighteen to twenty three, two hundred eighty eight yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Nope. Longest was forty-four yards, three over thirty, three passes over thirty. I mean, I think he had a perfect efficiency rating. Standback, fifteen yards, a hundred and twelve. Sorry, fifteen carries, a hundred and twelve yards, an average cliff of seven point five.
0: That's huge. Uh, That's well over his average of six point two.
1: And a very surprised touchdown from Armando Sewell.
0: <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that was like the the cherry on top. Oh, for after, sure. such a, for sure. after such a After such a phenomenal performance, you know, let the big guy get in there and get a touchdown. Why not? At this point, you're playing with house money. So it, it was awesome, especially coming off of, uh, uh, off of a pick as well. I mean, mind you, there was a couple of picks throughout the game from Ottawa. But,
1: uh,
0: yeah. you know, it, it was definitely nice to, you know, and see Mondo get that, uh, get that tutty, as they say. Yeah, so, uh, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh Eugene Lewis led the team with uh, five receptions on six targets for 120 yards and two fen- phenomenal touchdowns. But I, we also have to give props also to Jake Winicky, Seven receptions, eight targets, 118 yards, and he too had two receiving touchdowns, mm-hmm. which were phenomenal also. Just these guys are just on. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, it every everything that they could do right, they did right, and it was it was nice to see. I mean, Vernon, I mean, hell again, only only attempted 23 passes, (laughs) so uh, no, but
0: but the error that he got, especially under uh, Gino's second touchdown. What a he dropped it right in the bucket, right in there, right in there. A dime, an absolute
1: dime. It was like like that pass in Calgary where he, he, you know, it was like an out route, you know, go to the pylon and him hitting the pylon in that game. That's Mm -hmm. it, it was almost like that,
0: yeah. Except this time he actually hit a player in the hands, touchdown. (laughs) We like those,
1: (laughs) yeah. The the game was good itself. I mean, you know, Matt Nichols did not do very well for Ottawa. It was when Dominique (laughs) Davis really came in that you know that that they began to shine so i mean it's uh, uh there's still a lot of work to do i mean the defense was was phenomenal phenomenal you know again i think the only thing that really did not go well for the second straight game again is uh, with amaria uh, uh, alford they after week 1 these teams know what to do
0: Oh yeah, like it's not a fluke. I mean, like you saw what he did in 2019, Mm -hmm. and then you saw that first game against the Elks where he torched them for a touchdown. And now the teams have to, you have to game plan for this guy, and they are. And I mean, they're keeping him honest. I mean, you know, you know, he's gonna break out, break out sooner or later again. But, uh, you know, he's been pretty much kept in check the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's one area of the, you know, the game that could have gone a little bit better for Montreal. Also, too, I found that the tackling on defense, especially towards the end, was getting very lax at days called.
1: Oh, God, yes. you're
0: you're not playing two-hand touch, guys. You actually have to wrap up and finish your tackles. Uh,
1: I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you on that one. Uh, Both Woody Barron and David Menard had a sack each. Uh, um, We were talking about interceptions, three of them. Uh, One, a tip drill for Greg Reed uh wanted Jermaine grace by the way which was surprised to us because because he was called on a penalty we were like who the hell is not double zero double zero yeah. it's like where did that come from um and then patrick levels who brought up you know a glorious pick six glorious pick six um on a on an errant pass by uh, dominic davis i mean but it was that's you're play- like he, he trying to sidearm it and and it was like patrick Levels was like
0: yeah, and his only his second game of the season, too. I mean, mm-hmm. like this guy has just found his form in a big way and and like just didn't miss a step. It was absolutely tremendous and just took it right to the house. And I was worried too, because there was a there was a flag on the play. I'm like, oh, crap, don't let this come back. Don't let this come back. Sure enough, it was holding against Ottawa. So I was like, all right, That's yeah. a pick six folks.
1: yep, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there were there were some negatives to this game. You know, everything wasn't, you know, one hundred percent for this team. Um, you know, as you, as you mentioned before, Cliff, the, the tackling, which just at times was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's easy for us to say, but I mean, it was still, <laughs> it was like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Um,
0: I mean, I don't, I don't know how often tackling is practice in, in practice, but, uh, and I, again, I understand you wouldn't want to hurt your teammates, but at the same time, like. You gotta stop these guys. I mean, I I think a lot of the the points that were, Ottawa put on the board was as a result of not being tackled and just getting extra yardage that otherwise they wouldn't have had. Because, like I said, some of the tackles were just bad, just really bad. I mean, it, like I said, it, I really felt like they were playing two hand touch and not, you know, trying not make, even making an effort to wrap anyone up. And I get it, like especially too when you're up by thirty plus points at this point, especially too like when it's like in the fourth quarter, you just want to get out of there. You just want to go home. You like you, this, this is, this lead is safe. I know that the the CFL likes to say no lead is safe, but trust me folks, this lead was safe (laughs) by the third quarter. I mean, like I said, Montreal was on another level and Ottawa, unfortunately was just desperately chasing their own tail, trying to play catch up. And I mean, they got some points. I'll give them props. They got points on the board, especially when Dominique Davis got into the game. But I mean, like some of those points shouldn't have even been put up there in the first place. And like I said, it's it's just the tackling. Like I get it. You want to make sure you, nobody gets hurt, but at the same time, like you gotta have a little bit of pride and you gotta you gotta put that stamp out there, not just offensively but defensively as well.
1: Yeah, uh, the Alouettes had seven total penalties. Six were accepted for seventy four yards. The Ottawa Redblacks had ten for one thirty four. Um, we were talking about bad things. The kicking. Two, and I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried yet. But, you know, having Matt Schiltz now as our our holder, what, you know, we had two missed field goals. Uh, both you and I were like, well, you wanted that 50-burger badly. Um, uh-huh. And we got it at the end of the game because, you know, as I told you during the game, and I don't know if many people think about this type of thing, that... You want they got, they they went for the extra points I don't think necessary to get to fifty, but because it's a divisional game and you want to score as many points as possible in a divisional game that's the same thing what what Hamilton did when they played us of course so um are you worried yet about the kicking game
0: not at f- all. Field
1: goal field goals because you know, David Cote I don't know
0: we, three for five is not terrible I mean
1: no, no. I,
0: I think, again, he missed from the 50 and and from the 41. So, I mean, like, he was able to drain a a 50-plus yard field goal against uh, Edmonton. Was it Edmonton? No, sorry, uh, against Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we know he's got the leg and different holder now. I mean, I don't know if it was the snap or just something was off. I mean, sometimes things happen. The guy's not perfect. So, I mean, but three of five is still nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm not worried at all. I think Kote has definitely proven himself to be a a more than capable kicker. I think it's just a matter of just making sure everything falls into place. I mean, now he's working with Schiltzee to get down, uh, get the ball down and keep it down properly. Doesn't have to worry about anything else. Uh, Long snapping. I think that's gotten under control a bit now after a couple of shaky starts. But uh, things just happen. I mean, am I worried? No. Not in the least. I, I think Cote has definitely proven himself. Uh, and I think he's only going to get better with time, too. Let's not forget, folks, he is a rookie as well. So, I mean, yeah. he, he had a very good career at, with the Laval Rouge. And, you know, it was very accurate there. And he's proven himself to be able to handle the stress of playing for a professional football team. So, you know, he's, he's, he's going to have the occasional miss. It happens. Yeah. So, no, not, not going to worry just yet.
1: Yeah. Um. I, I One thing I was very impressed uh, was um with David Cote on kickoffs. I mean, he averaged 60, almost 64 yards on kickoffs, mm. which is good.
0: Guy's yeah, got a leg.
1: Yeah, Zemo, uh, you know, Joe Zemo only had to punt once, but he punted it for 41 yards, so still. Yeah.
0: I don't even know if they had to wash his uniform afterwards.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not a knock on him. I mean, he... I mean, if if you you only punting once, that means your team's doing something right. So,
1: mm-hmm. so uh, other than that, Cliff, um, the only only thing that I saw too was uh, I, what I thought was interesting is that you know Coach Kahari pulled he pulled uh, va and then Schiltz came in and then he uh, he was immediately sacked for a safety. And then VA played the rest of the game.
0: Yeah. For the most part. And that's, that's the, well, no, she'll, she'll, she'll get in a couple more reps. Sorry. sorry, the yeah, end. yeah. A
1: couple of reps near the end of the game where he did.
0: Yeah. And that's what you have to do. I mean, like I said, we didn't have a preseason this year. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta get your reps where you can, especially too when you're leading by 30 plus points. You, you gotta start playing your, your backups. And yeah, it, w- it was tough because yeah, his first series poor Matt gets, uh, drilled in the end zone for a safety. I mean, and then almost immediately, uh, it felt like the confidence just wasn't there. So, and Kahari, I think he kind of panicked a little bit and said, "Okay, let Va get back in there." And they, I think they, he, they orchestrated another touchdown drive just to really build up that cushion again. And I get it; I, I you want to win, you want to win at all costs. But I mean, at the same time, I don't want to leave my starting quarterback out there when you're up by thirty and the other team at that point pretty much doesn't give a rat's ass anymore. I mean, there was. There was there wasn't a whole lot of fight left in the red blacks by yeah. the fourth quarter so
1: yeah he was put put in originally with uh with about eleven minutes left in the fourth quarter um it, it just yeah and then again VA came in and then Schultz came in I think it was uh, last little bit of the fourth so mm-hmm. um anything else I mean again so many positives yes people may say this is Ottawa but again as I mentioned I think I mentioned to you and I may have mentioned on the pod no, I don't think I mentioned it on the pod is that I really think for for the Islanders to contend in the East this year, um, they need to take advantage of these games versus the Red Blacks, and I think they need to win three or four or sweep this series. Um, to you, any? Do you have any other negatives that you po- that you saw during this game?
0: Honestly, no. I mean, like the ones we did see that uh, we talked about. I mean, obviously those were the more glaring ones, but uh, I mean, I think. There's no such thing as a perfect game, quite frankly. But I think the Yalowetz played as close to a perfect game as possible. I think Vernon needed this game; he needed this win badly, and he was on a mission, and he wasn't going to stop until the clocks reached zero. And he, you, you saw it in his in, in the way he played. I mean, like this team did everything right as far as offensively, defensively, special teams could have been a little bit better, but you know, I mean. This team did what it had to do, quite frankly. And you're right. They played the Red Blacks three more times. If you can sweep all four of those games, mm-hmm. divisional games no less, I mean, that's that's going to be huge. I mean, even if you do that, I mean, you're, you're sitting at, uh, what, five and whatever? Because, right, like, you know, like, the, the, these are the games that are going to count more towards the end of the season. And... I think Ottawa too is going to make changes. Obviously they're going to have, I, I i don't know how much faith they have left in Matt Nichols after that performance. And from the, from the week before either he's hurt bad and they're just, you know, trying to downplay it or something's just not working within the system. Uh, once Dominique Davis got into the game, things settled down a little bit more, but I think at that point it was too little, too late. Yeah. And Montreal was just not going to be denied this past Friday. They've, they proved that they were on a mission. They wanted to prove that they were that team that you saw out in Edmonton. They weren't that team that you saw against Calgary and and, and Hamilton. And to me, that's that's key. Is you're going to have to, sh- and that's what the Edmonton team is going to have to do again. They're going to have to prove that they are that team, that they are the team that can go in and be dominant. And people are going to doubt this team. And I think that's what's going to fuel them more than anything else is the fact that people are like, yeah, but look at what you did against Calgary, and look at that stinker you did against Hamilton. The best way to erase those thout, those thoughts, those doubts that people have, you gotta win, and not just against Ottawa, you gotta beat every opponent. You you've gotta go, you gotta go into the mind with the mindset that you are going to kick everyone's ass, and I think that's what was missing in in Montreal the in, in the games against Calgary and and even Hamilton too was they didn't think that they thought that it was a gimme. I, I really truly think that they they were looking past it. And I think now they walked into Ottawa, which again should like everybody thought this was going to be a gimme. I don't think they approached it with that mindset. They wanted to leave no doubt that they can beat this team and beat them thoroughly, and they sure as heck did.
1: Yeah, oh, they, yeah, they they sure did. It was it was it was it was fun to see. I mean, I think it's. It, but again, as you say, we we don't need to get don't need to get. Um, we don't yeah, don't get lazy when it comes to playing playing Ottawa. By the way, I was while you were talking, I ha- I happened to look it up. Um it was uh Jermaine Grace was on the practice roster in week four and the person that was and I'm trying to see who it, he replaced Ahmed Thompson. Mm-hmm. On the roster, Ahmed, Ahmed Thomas actually. I'm uh, reading it wrong. Yes, sorry. <laughs> so, I'm trying to check the the depth chart here real quick. Yeah, he was placed on the one game injured list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ahmed Thomas. Yes, yeah, sorry, Ahmed Thomas was placed on one game, one game injured list. So, yeah. we missed that one.
0: <laughs> well, and also what was uh, disappointing too was uh, Mark Antoine Decoy. Uh, yeah, this, this was his start, his, his first uh, actual CFL start.
1: It was an early scratch, wasn't it? No, Or he, late uh, scratch. He, no, he got injured. Oh, oh, okay, that's during the something. Okay,
0: during the first series. So, uh, and it was out for the game, which disappointing, especially too because we were actually surrounded by uh, family members of his. That's so true. That, that had to be tough. Uh, you know, you, especially too, you make the trip to Ottawa to watch. You finally get the chance to watch your kid play and injured during the first series. Uh, that's. That's
1: tough.
0: It's <laughs> <Yeah>. really tough. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, don't have a game this week. Uh, I know. That's what are we gonna do with ourselves? I, I know. I was trying to find out, and yes, I know it's a different circumstance this year with the uh, with the the shorter schedule and stuff like that. I was reaching out to Steve Daniel. I'm trying to find out if this is the uh, this has to be this has to be since since the bye week has been in a, in official effect in the CFL. This has to be the earliest that a team has ever run through both of its, or oh, excuse me, all of its bye weeks. Mm-hmm. Because usually I think there's three now, obviously. Right. Uh, but I'm curious to know if this is the earliest, though, because after this, we're done as far as bye weeks go.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. like uh, The Owls usually have their one of their bye weeks uh, during the, I guess, the weekend after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Because of that, the way things have worked out. I mean, you've got the the three rivalry games, like the you know Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and, and then the battles of Alberta and Ontario, respectively. Which kind of leaves sort of a three way between Ottawa, Montreal, and BC. So usually it's Ottawa, Montreal during Labor Day weekend, and then Ottawa will play BC, meaning that the Alouettes their first, second, or well, I don't think it's ever been their third bye week during that time but uh, <laughs> at least one of their bye weeks has come on the second you know the the rematch week if you will of the of the uh, labor Day rivalries right
1: it, it, yeah and I'm glad they switched it over to Ottawa because it's usually been BC for us so um i I'm, I'm happy with what it was but a bit, you know again if we go all the way through to the great capital is it 13 straight weeks mm-hmm so, yeah,
0: it'll be a grind. Unless we win the division, then uh, yeah. then you do get that one week off. Yeah. If that's not a motivating factor for these guys now, knowing that they're going to be pretty much playing nonstop right up into December,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to me that that's a heck of a you know that's a heck of an incentive. And Hamilton, like I said, they would they're starting to find their form again. So I mean, like this this has the potential to be a dogfight. I mean, now you've got three teams in the East. That are now two and two, and looking very competitive. So let, I'm
1: well. It's true, but let's wait to see what they do against the other teams still in the West.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, for all we know, if Hamilton goes zero for in the West, that that's five losses. That puts yes, him. It is. That, that puts him at nine and five. Right. Well, Hamilton. Well, well, okay. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna give them a winning versus us. What am I talking about? <laughs> I'll put them at eight and six. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody doesn't like it, come at me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and listen,
0: I mean, you, you look at what Ottawa did last Friday. I mean, yes, they lost, but I mean, they managed to put points on the board. They seem to, to find themselves a little bit too. I mean, obviously, changes are gonna have to be made in Ottawa before things get, you know. I mean, they're, they're, what, 1-3 now. But things can turn around for them as well. You you just never know. And that's why, like, you can't... You got to appreciate a win like this, but you can't take these guys lightly. You can't assume it's going to be a gimme every single week against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Exactly. So I'm I'm hoping that, you know, you got to savor this win, but I hope Montreal realizes that, you know, you're you're playing these guys three more times. You're not going to have, you know... A result like this every single time, but I, I think this team is going to be well prepared, especially if, like regardless of the opponent. I think they uh, they now see what they are capable of doing. I think this win was a major confidence boost. Yeah, and when they get back to uh, from the bye week, they're going to be have to, they're going to, have to prepare for a BC Lions team that the jury is still out on. I mean, they've got some good pieces in place, and when they're on, they're a very effective team, but. Yeah, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, and you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. The only saving grace, really, is the fact that the Alberts are only going to play them once this year, and it's going to be in Montreal, where they've had slightly better success against the Lions at Percival Molson Stadium mm-hmm. versus out in BC Place. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's obviously what we'll we'll revisit next week once we once we preview the game. Now, you bring up BC. There was something that was I joke about this all this time with with you know. As long as I've been doing podcasts and joke with my other fellow podcasters, whenever they tape, you know, news always breaks after the fact. Um, there has, you know, the CFL has made finally decided that, um, when the Elks and Argos are going to make up that game that was,
0: uh, postponed, know, that we, yeah,
1: that was postponed due to the, the COVID situation with the Elks. Uh, which gives them, what, three games in seven days? Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Um, Because of that, there's been a slight modification to the Alouette. It's weird how this. there's a slight modification to the Alouette schedule Um, that the Saturday, November 13th game against Winnipeg, which was originally supposed to kick off at 4 p.m., will now be kicking off at 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. Which I'm happy about because I will take any sort of sun in November at Percival Molson.
0: <laughs> any possibility of warmth would be definitely welcome. So
1: <laughs> some, some, yeah, because at that time, as everybody knows, the sun is all you know, daylight. The, you know, the clocks have already gone forward. We lose that extra hour because we would probably the game but would no, have been, they go it, back? It would been, yeah. It's sorry, it would have been gone back. So it would have been dark by the time we left that game. So this this way, you know. So, that, but that that as far as that that's that's the update for the schedule itself. So, uh, luckily, unlike the other games that were modified because of this new game, uh, where it was placed, uh, it, it we come off easy. And I, I you know, it's funny, dude. When I was looking at the schedule, I really thought I should have put money down that in some way, shape, or form an Owl's game was going to be affected in some way. I should have put money down. I just had that feeling that that's what was going to be the case.
0: I just couldn't imagine that anything would have changed with the schedule as a result of what goes on out west. But here we are. (laughs) Well,
1: if this is the TV thing, and it makes me wonder what what Does TSN what else, you know, what else does TSN have scheduled for that day now being that the Alwits were gonna play earlier rather than later? I don't know.
0: Well they're showing they'd be showing the second game with the I think it's uh Edmonton, Saskatchewan.
1: Oh that's what it is. That's what it is. Yes, because they switched they switched time. Yeah, there's a difference in an hour, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, that's why. So hey, tears with tis what
0: it is i mean like i say it, it, it's bizarre because you know like we're you know we, we consider montreal to be so far removed from this whole kerfuffle with the elks and uh the argos but uh you know we you know n- now we get to see uh the game that we were going to go see anyways i think we were all set to go see it at four o'clock but now if you want to show it a lot sooner that's fine as you said get a little bit more sunshine uh, or you know finishes in good time and you know go out and hopefully celebrate a a nice victory.
1: Yep. (laughs) Fine by me. So we'll, we will be back next week. uh, Talk about the, the matchup versus the, uh, the BC lions. And we got a couple of ideas that we're trying to come up with. And uh, we're already going through Cliffy's Rolodex to try to find out who we're going to bring in next week. (laughs) (laughs) As far as uh, a, far as a, a a guest goes, but uh, yeah. And also
0: too, folks, Mm -hmm. if, if you're looking for us to speak with somebody, just, you know, shoot us a message over on Twitter, you know, just add us at Alouette's FL deck or either myself or Tim say, Hey, you know, we'd love to hear from fill the name here. Let us know. And if we can make it happen, we certainly will. I mean, this is your show too, folks. So uh, feel free to participate. Uh, let us know what's going on. I mean, you know, any sort of feedback, positive, negative, what have you. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. We're like, we're, we we want to do everything we can to bring you folks the best show possible. Uh, Best way to do that though is let us know what we're doing. If we're doing it right, tell a friend. If we're doing it wrong, tell us.
1: Yes. Don't don't tell a friend because then we won't know. Exactly. Yeah. So, we uh, we look forward to talking with you guys next week. Again, keep keep uh, keep up with social media, our social media, to see if, if any breaking news comes about over this next week. Be a, I'm sure it's gonna be a very quiet week, but hey, you never know something may drop tomorrow. So, oh, the joys of being a podcaster. Anyways, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: podcasting 101. There I mean, you go. You put, out, you put out an episode, and that's when everything just, you know, all the news decides to break right there and then. Yes. You, you, you just got to roll with it, folks. Exactly.
1: So, for everybody here at Alowitz Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run Final Approach.